1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, one to preserve this sport for our kids. Bringing the stories of the normal guy on small parcels and how he gets it done. Are you just a weekend warrior? You stuck with limited time to hunt and limited time to prep, just like us? Are you trying to figure out how to hunt with kids, work, and families? Then this is a podcast for you.
3: Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, episode 12. I have the best mic stand ever. I actually hooked my mic to a G2 of a shed that I found, and homies mike is hooked to a buck that got shot by his brother-in-law that he hunted for a couple years named deuce also nicknamed uno from this
2: podcast which is the official name of that buck are you gonna (laughs) you cannot say that because that's false we're getting right into this podcast in the studio tonight
3: we have cody which is me we have homie Hello, and we have Wyatt Brody, which is the brother of Josh Brody we had on a, uh, earlier in the, in the year. So he's going to tell his Buck stories tonight. Yeah,
4: thanks, Cody. Glad to glad you had me here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, you no, know, you get someone on the podcast a little, they're a little nervous. Come on, uh, Wyatt's a little nervous, but hey, we're gonna we're gonna feed it out because that's real stuff. We're not going to edit this out. <laughs> we're going to send it right to you. Um, uh, it's going to be a good episode, Wyatt's got a lot of deer down, and uh, we're going to go right in to our sponsors. If you guys are following us on Facebook, and you see our giveaway that we're doing, in this we're doing a free skull, uh, skull giveaway, Skull Mount giveaway from Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. He is an official spon- uh, sponsor of the White Tail Legacy podcast. This guy, uh, we are hashtagging and naming Ingram's Outdoor Obsession as the Working Class Taxidermist. He is the cheapest prices and the best quality around in our area. And if you're hunting out of state and you're in Illinois and you want to send your stuff to him, look him up, dude. This guy can do buck. this guy can do buffalo skulls, cow skulls. I mean he's got it all. If you wanna if you want to shoulder him out, if you want to squirrel him out, this guy's this guy's it, so He uh, doing he's doing a lot of bear skulls. I know. Bear skull sc- I want to shoot a bear. Terrible, dude. I told I told Wyatt he's a big trapper, and uh, we might get into that if we got enough time. But I said, dude, next beaver you get, I want that. I want a, I want a beaver skull. Even put one out on his on his. Facebook, I'm like, dude, I gotta get a beaver skull in the studio.
2: Did them teeth look jacked up to you? Yeah, dude. They do a lot of work with those teeth. No, no, no. no. Wh- was that a beaver or a bear? That Which a bear? one? The long teeth? Or? I don't know, but it was like gold teeth. That was, was a gold. Beaver. That, was the beaver that was the beaver beaver? Yeah. Oh, my God. Right three beaver skulls in my freezer right really dude (laughs) i want
3: want one i want one i want a beaver skull in the podcast i'll give you all of them i actually have i actually have a something kind of unique i have a buck that shed its antlers in the podcast We might might poke a poke a picture up on instagram that's something rare man you don't get a buck that shed its antlers skull a lot you know that's something i found out in the wild and and I kept it, and I like it a lot. But we want to shout him out as the official sponsor of the White till podcast, and the VIP shout out. We're also going to shout out, Homie's got that right now. I'm going to send him the the official the shout out for it this week right here on the phone. Once I find it,
2: do you find that? Yeah,
3: right there, man. Hit it up. Oh yeah, hit the VIP. So, there shout-out. you go,
2: VIP shout out brought brought to you by the Veteran Bothead. It is DJ Ackman. He
3: is the brother of Holly Voss, which is also the last veteran shout out we have, and we appreciate your service. We uh, we thank you for what you do, and uh, we know you're just reserves, but we we appreciate it just the same as anything else. We uh, we love doing this podcast, and we credit that to you guys that are serving for us to send this thing every week. So we're gonna get right into our guest here. Unless you, you go ahead and go ahead and let the vi- the listeners know where to find us, you know and
2: Yeah, look us up uh, if you want to listen. If you're listening now, you've obviously found us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. And if you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a review. And if you're within the first 25 reviews, you can get a Whitetail Legacy podcast sticker. And then we're also on Instagram at Whitetail underscore Legacy underscore podcast. And then we're also on Facebook at Whitetail underscore Legacy and we're doing a giveaway there for the last episode and it's uh it's a pretty sweet european mount or uh antler recoloring as long as you have a valid tag so go ahead and uh look that up and
3: check out Ingram's outdoor obsession for that uh we uh We want to thank him a lot for the sponsorship, dude. We're blessed to have it, and uh, we we can't wait to see where this podcast goes. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. We got a lot of people messaging us wanting to come on. We got people from Texas wanting to come on, Florida, California. We're going to start working on some phone call uh, messages, but we really like the guys from the Midwest that relates to people around our area. That come in and do it live, so that's what we're really reaching for. So we got we got Wyatt Brody here in the studio tonight. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna you know ask the first question right off the buck. Wyatt has had consecutive back to back years on stellar bucks. Um, he is uh, he's our age. He's he's young to the sport, but knows what he's doing, and uh, he's a killer hunter. And each year he's getting better and better. I learn from uh, some stuff from him every year stellar at anything outdoors, uh, deer hunting, uh, shed hunting, killer at, I mean, I'm talking insane, trapping, I think we need to have him come on just for a solid just trapping podcast, because that's something that I need to learn more stuff about, and I know a lot of other people do, but we're going we're gonna to hit the deer hunting on this episode, so Wyatt, go ahead and go into, uh, last year you shot a killer buck, uh, and go ahead and go into the story to that
4: uh last year i mean we didn't really set up too many trail cams or nothing i mean didn't really go into too many you know studying deer or nothing like we did this year and uh last year i was just kind of sitting in stands pretty much seeing for myself what's out there in person and uh didn't really see too many good deer but shotgun season came around first shotgun season and it was the rut and I seen a good six pointer like huge six pointer I know you told I me about mean, that six oh pointer yeah. dude it's kind
3: of like your six pointer he was like oh, yeah. he texted me he's like man I passed six six pointer that is just a giant. I'm like, dude, I want a big six, you know. We had we had Kirk on that has that giant six and that's something that I think is just awesome. But
2: yep it, it's hard to come across a, a nice six point that really gets you fired up. But when one does it's hard to explain it to people like this this deer's a six point. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's hard for them to understand but hey, when, you about- when you see it out there in the field you're just like it's a giant <laughs>
4: I tell you what, this six-pointer was, I guarantee you, every bit of 18 to 20 inches wide and probably 10 10, 12 inch G2s on him and just huge. Yeah, for a that's, that's a huge six-pointer, yeah. you know? I mean, and I had him in my scope at 12 yards and I just could not do it.
2: So, yeah. he, would've, he would've, I mean, if he was an A-point, it would probably been 140. But yeah. being a 6-point, he's probably just, you know, cresting over 130. But it still looks huge because he's so tall. Yeah. yeah, He I mean, it's huge.
4: Yep. And I passed him up. I, it took everything I got to pass him up because I really wanted to shoot him with a bow. What, I what, never day? A, what day was this? It was first shotgun season. Oh. It was actually opening morning. Uh, actually, opening evening. My bad. And uh, I don't remember the dates. Yeah, so you got a lot of shotgun you
3: know, season left. you got one yep, buck tag yep, during shotgun season. Exactly. So it's a hard it's hard to pass deer, but, you know, you, the property you're hunting has got, got potential on yep. it. So I see why you pass yep. it.
4: But Plenty of deer moving through there. I mean, I see all kinds of good bucks and, you know, deer that have potential. And the six-pointer, I've actually seen them throughout the year. I've seen them two or three times. The neighbors got trail cam pictures of them. At this time, we weren't really doing much trail cam, you know. But I passed him up with a shotgun because I was hoping to shoot him with a bow. And we ended up actually finding him dead a little later on. I mean, after that season. We ended up finding him dead when we were shed hunting. And kind of sucked, but whatever. Second season rolled around, second shotgun season. And opening day, uh, my brother actually texted me. He was in a different stand about. Probably three hundred yards for me. My brother texted me and he said a huge group of bucks just came through, like seven bucks in a row just came through. <laughs> Dude, I did. I could send that text. And <laughs> it was, oh yeah, and it was you know small bucks up to maybe a one forty. You know, nice, nice deer, but you know, I just had to look at it, you know, if it was something to shoot at or not. So. He texts me about it, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm not going to see those deer or whatever. And all of a sudden, about 30 minutes later, they come right through. There's eight bucks, not seven, there's eight bucks. And it starts off like a little four corn. Next one comes through, I mean, six pointer, just a little guy. Next one comes through, just a little basket rack eight, whatever. And then another basket rack eight. And then a nice little 10 pointer, has potential, two and a half year old, probably maybe a 110, 120s, whatever, let them go through and then all of a sudden this one that I shot, he comes through and he's a 10 pointer, looks good, but he just didn't really have what I thought he had, I mean, I just didn't really want to shoot him. And in the back of the pack was this old-ass deer. I mean, real wide, broken tines, and, like, just looked really old. Gray face, pop belly on him. I mean, just old. And I really wanted to shoot him, but the one in front of him had a bigger rack. You know, I'm old, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I am, I mean. I'm all about shooting mature deer, but I guarantee you, he was a four and a half year old. The one I shot, yeah, and he was a ten pointer, and he looked good from the side, and I just, uh, I passed him up for a minute. I just couldn't do it, and then all of a sudden, I just it came over me that I just had to shoot him. I hadn't seen nothing good that year, and I put him in my scope, got a you know second good look at him. Really studied him for a while, and he was probably 30 yards, which really kind of ticked me off because he was in bow range. I could have shot him with a bow, but it was shotgun season. I had a shotgun, so
2: well, you should, I decided you to I him. You should have brought your bow. Oh, I wish I would have. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Is it shotgun, this opening day shotgun? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I took my bow. Just putting <laughs> that out there. <laughs> and I mean, I tell you
4: what, he was right there, and I just... Could not pass it up. I mean, the side view from him, he's not the widest ear, but he's just, I mean, he's mature. I could tell that by his body and everything, you know. Four and a half year old, for sure. And uh, I went ahead and took him at 40 yards, double lunged him, got all excited, got down out of the stand, and ended up going in the timber about, probably no more than 50, 60 yards. Ended up finding him dead. And, I mean, it just worked out perfect.
3: Yeah, I mean, I... Mean, I it was a nice deer. I looked... I shot a buck that same year, and we kind of looked, you know... That, that deer... I mean, he's he's saying, oh, it wasn't a giant or whatever. I mean, it was close to 150.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah, so a lot yeah.
3: of... I mean, I mean, why... I mean, you got a mid-160s down, you know, so... Yeah. So, to him, to a lot of listeners, you Banner's know... Beginner's luck.
2: Yeah, beginner's <laughs> luck
3: on a <the> mid-160s, but <laughs> That's hey, my first
4: buck. But he's, he's, a, he's got a giant down on his first buck,
3: and... Um, but you know this—he's always trying to prove. But like I said, we're all out trying to shoot, you know, uh, a mature deer. Whether that, you know, whether that's a 120 or not, you know. But I don't know very many people that would see a, you know, a 120 and a 140, and the 120 looks a little more mature. They don't shoot the 140 because I'm shooting the one mid 140s all day. You know, whether it's shotgun or bow, but. But I, 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 I actually haven't I seen that buck mounted. That's the buck I seen mounted. I haven't got to see that this year's buck mounted. But yeah, that buck is awesome, Buck. Uh I seen the trail cam the truck in the in the picture you took, you know, in the field and it's it's a it's a great deer and uh I, I wouldn't have passed that deer, especially if I hadn't, you know, had a hard hard year hunting like you did that year with the bow. why Wyatt, Wyatt is uh, he's he's a little He's a little younger than most people we have on the podcast, so he doesn't have the kids and stuff. So he has so much time to bow hunt. This guy puts, I mean, so many days in stand and works so hard for the deer he shoots. It's insane. I mean, he puts, I mean, he puts a lot of days in to, to kill the deer he does. So every deer that he he gets, he he deserves. So
4: yeah, I put a lot of hours into the stand. I mean, it's just I passed up plenty on one. You know, 110s through even 140s. I passed up 140s with a bow. And I'm just waiting for that giant. You yeah. Know, yeah. You know, I mean, not a giant, but a 150 plus is usually what I look at. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of good 140s, but they're just young. Yeah. They're three and a half or two and a half. One yeah. of the two. That's a lot. That's and like a lot of
3: people on Mel East They're they're either you know you could you could look at him you say man that you can just tell that deer's he's 140 but he's a three and a half and i just i yep. can't do it you know i i'd rather shoot a six and a half 130 than then because that deer you know i had a deer grow 33 inches in a year You know, and I shot him the next year. I got sheds, and I shot him the next year, 33 inches. So you're talking a 140 to, you know, 170 in a year. So to shoot that deer, it's just really hard to do, you know, just the same situation as you.
0: Oh,
4: yeah. I mean, I've honestly never shot anything. I've actually never shot a buck with a bow. I mean, for some reason, rolls around shotgun season, and they're right there somewhere between 10 and 30 yards. <laughs> See that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I oh, totally wow. understand that. Yeah. yeah. And it, it sucks because I've always wanted to shoot a big buck with a bow, and for some reason the only time it ever happens is shotgun season. I'll and tell you all I, I got so, in my hands is yeah. a shotgun. I'll
3: tell you this. So, for the man. listeners, he's putting in the work, man. I mean, compared to the time I hunt, compared to the time he hunts, I mean, it's it's. He's a little more than me. I hunt a lot, but White hunts more than me and he bow hunts hard and he hunts some killer ground. And he actually hunt the property that was adjacent to mine for a long time. And we had the same bucks on trail camera, you know, and and uh, and he's always he's feeding me information like you know, like a good buddy and I'm feeding him information and we're trying to both shoot big deer and and for anybody out there that's bow hunting and trying to get it done, for the regular guy it is It is hard to shoot one with a bow. I mean, shotgun, it's a little easier. You got that distance, but it's still hard to shoot one with a shotgun. But with a bow, man, it's just it's hard to get them in close. You got to have the perfect setup to.
4: Tell you what. It's ninety percent look, just getting in there in range. Yeah, it It is. It's ten
3: percent fighting the bucks, where they're working, you know, and then ninety percent is that buck gonna come my direction and then is it gonna get within I mean, for normal guys like us, we don't hunt out west, so forty yards is a pretty far shot for us, you know. So we gotta get that deer within forty yards to be able to kill him, you know. So to get a deer within forty yards of your tree is that I don't care if it's even if it's a doe, you know, I know I know you shot a lot of does with your bow, but that's an accomplishment in my eyes. Getting a deer within 40 yards of a stand placement that you set up is just, that's really astonishing, man. I mean...
4: Yeah, and that's one thing I'll go into with you saying, I shot a lot of does with my bow and everything. One thing I've learned the last three years is I've shot does with my bow early season. And, you know, the last three years I doubled up on does or maybe even tripled on does early season between October 1st and the 15th. And then as soon as rut starts, it's like, man, where's the bucks? What I've learned is as long as you keep them does around and don't shoot them early season, you keep them around as long as rut comes along. Like this year is the first year that I didn't do that, shoot a dirt like doe early on. There are so many more bucks out there Yeah. during the rut
3: it seems like like because the
4: number one thing is if you got does in your property the bucks come right behind
3: we always say that don't don't go to your stand you know first of the year and try to shoot a doe when you're wanting to go to that stand during the rut and shoot a buck because when you shoot a doe it's just you don't put so much pressure in that area dragging the deer out tracking the deer you know and and either shoot your does on state ground or different property, properties don't go to your rut stands and shoot does you know I mean it's hard because there's a lot of uh, a lot of rut hunters out there or a lot of uh, you know meat hunters that hunt the rut also so they want to get their does first but try to shoot them on like a field edge or something that's not pressuring a lot to where you can get that dough out easy but like you said just like that I've had the same thing where I've shot a doe and I've noticed the effects of me being in there you know like when I shot my buck early this year my trail cameras just shut off for about a week and a half after I had all that commotion of going in there dragging the buck out you know they just big deer do not do well with pressure it's just oh no it's just I mean it's something that you learn over time and you think you can get away with a little bit but year after year after year I noticed that there's less pressure I can give them Yep. because it's just it's just so i mean they're so temperamental about well the neighbor's got no pressure so i'm just going to hop the fence and and stay over there you know so but what if if that if you could give a key reason for that year why you think you shot that buck what what would it be you know
4: i mean honestly like i said 90% of it is luck but that year i really didn't put too much work into it i just kind of hunted and studied deer. I mean, I passed up tons of deer, you know, does and bucks, I mean, that are 110s to even a couple 140s, like I said, and it was just being in the right place at the right time pretty much that year. I mean, I didn't do a whole lot of study on the deer that year. It's just, I honestly have a good spot to hunt, and, you know, I just... You just put the time in. You just put the time in. You know, you're at the right place a
3: lot of time, and then, and like me and homie say, that's that's ninety percent of hunting, man. You're in the right spot, at the right time. I mean, you can study deer, and you can you can hone in, and you can try to pattern them. But if that buck isn't there that day, it's just not there. You know, I mean, and and it's it's like you said, it's probably ninety percent being in the right place with a little bit of luck. And ten percent, okay, I'm I'm studying the deer, I I feel like they I got good buck good buck area right here and I'm setting up, you know. But so like you
4: said, the number one thing is to put the time in.
3: Yeah, put the time not in not too know. much
4: time to where you're hunting the same stand because mm-hmm. I'm a big thing about scent control. You do not want to be hunting the same stand all the time. You wanna switch it up. Yeah. I mean you wanna go here. And you just don't want you know, hunt the same stand over and over. Yeah. And I mean that's one way you're gonna drive out big bucks. Yeah. And not only big bucks, but just deer in general.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And that's a big thing to me is scent control. I mean, just huge. That's the main thing. You don't want to keep chopping into the same stand, even though it's your best stand. And I mean it just leaves your mark there. And those three and a half plus year old bucks drive right out of there yeah i mean i've learned that over the past few years i mean i've done it i've hunted my best stands you know that i've had the best luck out of and it just seems like the more i hunt it the more i just don't see deer out of yeah. it
3: yeah that's the same even though thing. it's just yeah. an awesome yeah. spot you i know? said that this year we on my food plot every every time we hunted it you've seen less and less deer just like the jury say you know when you start seeing less deer in a spot, you know that you made an impact because a deer used that spot, you know, frequently. But when you made a human impact, you can tell by the less amount of deer that has come through that area. Yeah, you,
4: know? you just don't want to pressure it. No. I mean, that's the number one thing is you do not want to leave your scent, you know, continuously on the same spot. Yeah. Because they pick up on it instantly. Mm-hmm. Them so- older deer just pick up on it. So let's get
3: let's get into your second buck. That's from this year during yep. shotgun season. So go ahead and run through the story on that and and a reason why you think you're successful for that.
4: Uh, it was opening day, second season. Uh, this year we did a lot more of you know management, and we put trail cams up. We put them up. Uh, probably mid September is when we put them up. Didn't check them for about three weeks I mean every three weeks is when we check the cameras and the only time we check them is if we went up there and hunted you know we do it all in one we made sure to stay out of there and not leave our scent behind I think that was the key to success on my hunts this year and like this year I noticed way more bucks Than what I've seen in the previous years. I mean, the last three years, yeah, I've seen a lot of nice bucks, but nothing like this year. I've seen probably over 20, 25 bucks. I mean, not only on trail cam, but also in person out of the stand that were, you know, 110s to 140s. Nice deer. And it was just way more than what I've ever seen before. And it's always been kind of a pass-through ground what we hunt and this year it seems like all these bucks have stayed there and i think a big thing about it is we stayed out of there early season didn't leave our scent behind and i mean like i've said the last three times scent control is my biggest thing mm-hmm. you don't want to hunt the same stand over and over and that's one thing i did this year and actually you know so, I mean, in the last three years, I did that, I, you know, hunted the same stands, and I really noticed that the deer just, after your fourth time of hunting that stand, even though it's a killer stand, you just don't see the numbers that you do the first time you hunted it. Yeah. You just got to switch it up. And a big thing is playing the win. I mean, it's a perfect day out or something, and it's your best stand... And you want to hunt it so bad, but you just don't do it. I mean, you got to hunt something else.
3: Yeah.
4: I mean, I've hunted some stands that I'm sitting in the stand, I'm like, man, I'm not going to see a deer. Yeah. You know? But, but you're out that's the woods, good, world, man. Man. Yeah, yeah, That's so. good, though. You know? And it's just a good thing you're not hunting your best stand and letting all these deer wind you. Because the moment they wind you, I guarantee you they're not going to come back. I mean, a mature buck. They're not going to come back.
2: So, you're talking about hunting a uh, stand four days in a row consecutive, but what would you say about hunting a uh, stand four times in a row that the uh, conditions are perfect? I still
4: wouldn't do it.
2: Still wouldn't do
4: it? I still wouldn't do it. Because, had, I mean... If you
2: had a northwest wind, and that's what you need to hunt stand, and then, you know, in the morning it's just coming straight out of the west, and then, you know twelve o'clock, one o'clock in the afternoon it's gonna shift to northwest and then going there and getting that stand every night you're still you're still not gonna do it.
4: Oh no. I still switch it up. You know, that's one thing I learned from the past few years is you gotta switch up your stands. You can't be hunting the same stand every time. Even though the conditions are perfect, you can't do it. Because the deer pick up on it. Yeah. They're so, in I mean, the same place every time. Yeah. I mean it's just how they are. I yeah, mean, I
3: think it's th- it's, not really, it's not really your are in the stand. It's your access to the stand.
4: Exactly.
3: It's the multiple days that you're accessing that stand, which could be when you're in the stand, it's absolutely perfect. But when you're accessing it, it might be on the border yeah. of you know of of bumping something. So I think that that's when you when you uh, you bump deer out of that area. So go ahead and go into yeah. your,
4: your and I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because like my property. The only easement I have is on the south side. So, the only way I got to get up there is from the south. And, I mean, a south wind pretty much kind of screws me. So
2: That sounds like every stain Cody has. Yeah, (laughs) I know. That's pretty much how
4: it is. I mean, but if it's a south wind, straight south, I'm hunting little drawaways and stuff like that. I'm not going up to my big timber, to my good stands, where I'm potentially going to see big deer, but you never know when, you, you know, you never know when you're going to see them in those little draws. Mm-hmm. So, I hunt them still, when the wind's right. So, I mean, that's pretty much all I got to hunt
2: when there's south winds, but... I'm going to say, I don't think anybody around here has got much to hunt when it's a south wind. I know. It it's seems like, like
3: that northwest is what we all set up for. And that might yep, be something yep. that would be a big tip for a lot of guys out there. Set up that south wind random stand. You no, know, for me to set up a south wind stand, man, I'd have to have a completely different entrance route to really <laughs> <and> hunt. <laughs> That's exactly what I am. And, so, and yep. I mean, it would take me a long time to get to that stand but like just this year, i got a picture of my target buck the one that's in the 180s on a south wind coming in and he's 10 yards from one of my stands saying, in the middle of the daylight you know i
0: had to
2: walk like a mile and a half yeah i'd have
3: to just have to way around crazy stuff i get permission into a lot of to not bump that deer and then
2: it's it's not even you
3: know a guarantee no it's not a guarantee he'd just know, be
2: passing through
3: that but that might be some key to success you know i mean it's like like we say it's you got to work to kill these big deer because they they don't come easy i mean you can get lucky and a lot of guys get lucky but you to kill them year after year like most of us do in this room you have to you have to put some you have to put some work into it and put some time in the stand To get it done, you
2: know. You would definitely see some deer while you're at that spot. It's just seeing the right deer on the right path. With the right wind. I mean, you're not you're not gonna go in there with the with the wrong wind. I mean, that's just the way you hunt. Yeah, you're just you're you're shoot your thing and, I mean, and, and d- going hell it. You're just hoping he comes. Through. I
4: mean, putting the time in is the biggest thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think that's the biggest put, key to hunting. But you know.
4: don't put too much time into one stand.
3: Yeah, I mean, just yeah. switch
4: it up. That's Good. the biggest thing is switch it up. No matter what your wind is, just yeah. think about it. I mean, what is your best wind for this stand and that stand and whatever. Just make sure you got options.
3: I mean, Wyatt's got a stand that I helped him hung, and if people looked at this stand, they would never hunt it. They'd be like, "This is just... I mean, it's literally in not even an acre combined timber. Oh no! I mean, it's literally just a little draw. It's perfect access, and you get giants on trail camera
4: every year there. And you know, I'll get onto a side story here. I hunted that four times so far, and I haven't seen a deer out of it except for once. And it was a nice buck. Actually, I seen another nice buck out of it, but it's across the road. And uh, he was a really nice buck. I mean, definitely a shooter. Tried grunting and everything, rattling, but he was on a full dead sprint, nose to the ground, just hauling across this field. On the doe, obviously. And I just couldn't get his attention. But all of a sudden, this big eight pointer came over, and uh, I thought he was a shooter at first, you know. And he came over i snort and wheezed him in came right underneath my stand i drew back on him and everything just could not get a shot at him i could but i just couldn't shoot him i mean he just that you know
3: wasn't there you know oh
4: yeah just barely i mean i really wanted to bad but <laughs> i couldn't do it you know i mean we all have that but i mean he's right underneath the stand and he actually came up right to the stand sniffed the ladder steps up to my stand and blew back about 10 yards and stopped and i could have shot him there too wow. i just could not do it and he yeah, just walked that's,
3: off that's what we say about not hunting your best stands this stand if someone would look at it they would never think to hunt there but i kept telling Wyatt, i was like dude this is a a money spot because the interest at uh, the entrance with the north a west or anything that we have frequently it's just absolutely money to get in and and it's one of those stands that okay it's early season i don't want to pressure into my really good stuff you know i want to hunt this border edge where a buck might be bedded you know coming to this field and that's what it is you know so i think that's that's just key you know have them stands that aren't they're not as good but you still have potential to shoot a deer but you're not going into your you know your best stands over and over and over but
2: well and I mean if you got trail cams you don't even have to put it to where you're gonna hunt you can just put it off to the side or to where you think deer might come other than where you're hunting to where if you're gonna hunt you know okay well I'm gonna see deer over here but my truck cam is picking up deer over here and I'm not even looking over there but they're always the the truck cam is always looking there. Yeah.
4: And then it's still if you're still if, gonna get the deer that are on your property.
2: Yeah, if you're curious you're still gonna about gonna a spot get the same
4: deer that are moving through there.
2: Yeah, exactly. and you're
4: gonna know what you're looking
2: for. Yeah, and if bait. if you're curious about a spot when you hunt, you know, you're definitely looking over there and then if the wind's right, you know, you're you're gonna be able to see the deer yeah. that are going to move through that area yeah.
4: yeah and i mean that's a good way to pattern them i mean getting pictures non-stop of the same deer yeah i mean it hasn't really happened to me no, me neither i mean the same deer happening over and over i've heard of guys doing that yeah it's just sounds perfect i, <laughs> I mean i just don't <laughs> have, doesn't
3: happen to me it seems you know, like they cover so much ground in our area that yeah, it's just exactly. really hard to
4: exactly know. and i mean I'll, I'll you know i'll have the same deer over and over but it'll be you know, usually nighttime pigs. Yeah. And it'll be one to two weeks apart. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, so how it's pattern this deer?
3: It seems like one of the key success points for your buck this year was running the trail cameras and, and putting the work in this year. So go ahead and go into your story for your buck this year and, and, and where you're set up and how it played out.
4: My buck this year, uh, I was one of my best stands. It was actually the same stand, my brother Josh. Which you had him on podcast a couple mm-hmm. weeks back, but uh, he shot that nice, how many ever point it was? Yeah, I don't, don't know. know, it was 160. Is yeah, it was 160 inch <laughs> deer. <laughs> That's all I got to yeah, say. Yeah, it's huge. He was a nice deer, <laughs> hell of a deer, but uh, yeah, he shot him out of the same stand, and I tell you what, I shot one about four, maybe five years ago, out of the same stand that was a 150. And this deer I shot this year was about low 150s. And uh, same stand and everything. It's just always been, you know, a killer stand. Like, that's our number one stand out of that property. And it's right where a cornfield is in the bottom, which, you know, there's cornfields all around us in Illinois. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's just this bottom field, and right across it is a neighbor's. And they got all big blue stem, little blue stem, switchgrass, everything. I mean, just perfect bedding. And we've got this bottom field. It's about three acres, bottom field. And then it switches over to foxtail grass and uh, just random grass, whatever. And then it feeds into a timber. It's just a perfect funnel. But we got a double hang-on stand there. And uh, one of my buddies was actually sitting with me that night and uh it was let's see it was actually opening evening of shotgun season and honestly i never seen anything like real good out of the stand this year it was kind of bad luck i've seen a lot of good things on trail cam but i've never seen anything good out of the stand and that hunt i seen this deer with a doe came out of nowhere following this doe and he was about 80 yards out in the field. I had him in my scope. And I was looking at him the whole time. I was asking my buddy, which he don't deer hunt much, but I asked him, I said, you think I should shoot him? he said, oh, yeah, dude, I'd shoot him <laughs> in you know, whatever." <laughs> and uh, I said, man, I don't know, you know. So I passed him up. He disappeared. I was like, dang it, you know. Well... I just said, you know, screw it. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw out some grunts and some bleats and see what happens. You know, I was kinda pissed at myself for passing it up. It was the first real good deer I've seen all year. And uh, went ahead and threw out some grunts and bleats, and all of a sudden, he was right back out in the field. Pulled him right off the doe, which was crazy. I've had plenty of encounters where they're with the doe and they will not do anything. I mean, because they're on that doe. But it was pretty crazy how he actually came off that doe and came back out in the field. And he actually came 20 yards closer than what I had him before. I was still studying, you know, in my scope. And I asked my buddy again, I said, do you think I should shoot him? He said, do it. He's at 60 yards, <laughs> <laughs> man, like, I mean. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, all right, I'm doing it. So I went ahead and pulled the trigger. Oh, yeah, he dropped right where he was and I ended up spine shooting them which was yeah kind of bad kind of luck but that's 90% of deer hunting right there luck
2: what's your what's your gun set up my gun yeah
4: uh, I got a 20 gauge deer slayer 2 Ithaca pump I yeah, mean it's nice gun. Yeah. I've shot <laughs> a lot of deer with it it's a nice gun <laughs> but, but uh I've shot all my big bucks with it and uh i mean it's trusty but uh somehow i hit it high and as soon as i hit it i said colton we're getting out of the stand (laughs) (laughs) i gotta get down there and get that deer like he's spine shot we gotta get up on him i gotta put a kill shot on him right now because i've seen that way too many times yeah
3: something that happens to everybody we you know you put uh questionable shot like you you tracked the buck that i lost and i spine shot him and exactly and he got away from me That's you know? how they are.
4: i mean it's yeah. crazy
3: they, they're mean, stunned for a little bit and then yep. they get up and they're like oh i'm i'm good to go yeah, I, you said, know? I
4: said colton we're getting out of the stand and that was the fastest you've ever seen me climb out of that stand <laughs> tell you what i mean it was crazy But i got out of the stand and i pretty much ran across the field at him and got right up on him and he kept turning around in 360s, you know, like I just didn't know exactly when to shoot him. I had a scope on my shotgun and everything. So, you know, I was 10 yards from him. I couldn't really find him in my scope perfectly, especially when he's moving around. But he ended up getting up and running about 20 yards from me, which was perfect. And he stopped, like right in the grass. And I just kinda, you know, I. Got him in my scope. I couldn't get a clear shot, so I got closer to him. He bedded down again, real quick, like right in front of me. And uh, he got up again, and I was about ten yards from him. Couldn't find him in my scope. Uh, I mean, it was that bad. It just, I could not find him in my scope because my scope is, you know.
3: Yeah.
4: So (laughs) zoomed in, you know. But uh, I pretty much just kind of guessed it, and I shot him just perfect. I mean quartering away like straight away from me he just never gave me a broadside shot shot him again he was dead within 30 seconds yeah. which I was glad you know to have that but he was a nice buck for sure I mean we never had him on trail cam but we had a lot of other nice bucks I mean just like my brother Josh shot yeah I mean he shot the same deer I mean a different year, obviously. Within a week from yeah. I mean, We had also, so
3: many trail camp pictures yeah. of that area, yeah. you know, Bucks going yeah, through there, exactly. so you knew that's where you needed yep, to be. That's
4: where I needed to be. At and and like, point?
3: I like how you told that story. You know, a lot of people out there, even during shotgun season, you can make a questionable shot, but everybody out there has done it, you know, but you got down and. And you're in the moment, and you're trying to put a kill shot on that deer to do the right thing to yeah. to, to harvest him as quick as you can, yeah. you know. And and it's hard, you know. So I think I think a lot of people can relate to that situation of, oh, I spine shot a deer, but he's injured, but he's still going. So now you're you're on him trying to get it done. So. I'll tell you
4: what I've heard way too many stories on people that spine shot deer, and they wait them out, and then all of a sudden they got all this life left in them, mm-hmm. and they just go forever. Yeah. They're not going to bleed out if you shoot them in the spine, mm-hmm. no. Nope. Unless you sever that spine completely. I mean, obviously they're going to be done. They're going to stay right where they are. Yeah. But if you just, I mean, if you just shoot them in the spine like that, and you're not completely breaking it in half like that.
3: Yeah, they can get up. And oh go. yeah, just like they my bow buck that you seen. I exactly. hit him right. I hit him high thing. like that when he turned, hit the spine. He went down. And first thing I did was grab my phone and, and call somebody. And that's
4: actually the main thing I learned it from. Is the deer you shot that got away from it. Yeah. I mean, oh that was a huge deer. Yeah, was, way bigger than what I shot. Yeah, it was <laughs> huge deer, you know. Huge. I
3: spine shot him with a bow and I thought he was done. You know, he's antlered down dead on the ground. Yeah. And but he's just he's just stunned for a second, you know. And I
4: mean you're you're dead on with a bow.
3: Yeah, I mean, but yeah. that
4: that was just a screwed up situation. Yeah, he just, just a lot of deer on me, and,
3: and a giant, you know, 180s, one ninety class yeah. buck, buck fever running crazy, you know, and yeah, and uh, I wasn't prepared. But I, I mean,
4: I mean, mine wasn't nothing like that. He not yeah. He was a one fifties, yeah, low one fifties, nice deer, you know, four and a half year old, but I'm just glad I got him. Yeah. I mean, I think you did the right
3: thing. You got out of stand yeah. and you knew that he was down. You got up on him and you made a kill shot. That was my
4: first thought. I said, he dropped to the field, you know, and I seen him whirling around the whole time. I said, I got to get down there right now. Yeah. And that's the main thing. If you spine shoot a deer, you got to get down there yeah. and you got to finish him off. I can, I can Or talk else to that. He's going gonna to get away from me. Because you. I had a
3: 15, 20 second window that if I would have put another arrow in that deer i have a 190s on the wall or mid 180s on the wall oh, yeah. i but, thought he was 190s but i called on the phone to tell you know a guy that i got him down and and that was a amateur mistake by me and something i got to live with the rest of my life but i had trail cam picture of that deer had sheds of him i hunted him hard and i thought i just killed him you know and i was,
4: <laughs> I was it a was st- a giant
3: static i was ecstatic, you know? and. And that's great that you brought that up. If you if anybody out there spine shoots a deer, shotgun or bow, put another arrow yep. or a round in that deer. Because you never know. I've heard a lot of story of people oh they spine shot a deer, they leave him, they go back to get the truck, they yep. come back and he's gone, you know? Yep. And unless like you said, unless you sever that spine, they're they're good to go, you know. So once they come back too I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great point we can make out here to tell people you know, I've seen it firsthand, you've seen it firsthand with tracking my deer. I mean, it's twelve hours after we tracked my deer and that yep. deer was good to go, you know, he ran it all the way across the field with Oh
4: yeah. Plenty so of life.
3: Plenty of life in him. That's how they
4: are. Yeah, it's they're crazy. They're
3: tough, but uh let's get I wanna get into the next question. This year you guys you planted food plots on your property and I think that was a, a big success for you guys um go ahead and go into detail on that
4: yeah we planned one food plot we uh went in in the timber and uh probably a half acre or so and we cleared out the trees and stuff brought my dad's mini excavator up there you know moved, move move stuff out of the way use a chainsaw cut a few trees down and then uh we went in there and planted clover and uh different grasses and stuff i'd can't tell you exactly what it was, but it was more of an early season thing, not really late season, because, you know, late season, they're pretty much driven on corn and beans and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But early season, we had tons of pictures of deer. I mean, it just increased the deer population significantly. I mean, we had... On trail camera, we'd check it, like I said, every three weeks. And there was probably 10 to 20 different bucks every three weeks we'd check it. I mean, just different bucks. Not good bucks, I'm just saying different bucks, you know?
2: Yeah.
4: I mean, yeah, we had some good bucks. but
2: So when you...
4: We actually counted up how many bucks we had on camera just from that plot and there was 25 different bucks that were actually manageable deer 130 to 140 120 to 140 that were just good bucks for next year and we also had a three or four bucks came through that were probably you know shooters. they were 150 160
3: yeah and all the all the success for that camera is is from that plot i know a lot of my it problem really is. a
4: right? lot of I mean, my
3: problem on my property is i hang a camera and like in the state of Illinois, we can't bait. We can't do a salt block or a corn or anything like that.
4: It's got to be planted.
3: So so to get pictures is it's tough. You know, unless you're in a main travador or something on a field edge, it's tough to get pictures. And uh, I think that food plot really gave you an idea of what you guys had. And like I talk on this podcast a lot, having trail cam pictures of what you have. Gives you the motivation to set in the stand the two hours longer because you say, "Man, I got ten bucks," you know, that I were in really this really area. Really or I got really five really. shooters that were in this area a week and a half ago, and that gives you the motivation to set in that stand and put in the extra work. And like I talked to homie or anybody, luck is a lot of it, but having faith in your stand setup and your stand placement is. Five percent of it, and then five percent skill. Because if you can't put the time in, you're not going to kill a deer. So, I think that food plot. And how big was that food plot? You said
4: half acre.
3: I mean, you And and how many acres are you hunting? You know, 250. Yeah, they put a half acre food plot on 250 acres, and those bucks were hitting that area because it was a food source that they don't they don't have anywhere else. Because a lot of people they don't plant food plots around your area. I mean, my
4: farmer does corn on corn every year. Yeah, it's straight corn yeah but he also tills it up so
3: yeah know, they don't have that season, food. you know late
4: season they're not finding food which even though this plot wasn't late season food it was kind of early season it was grass you know
3: but it was something Clover. different that they'd never yeah, had before exactly. and they just drawled right exactly. to that so any i mean anybody that's thinking about planting a food plot i mean whether you kill a deer off it or not just the draw that you're going to have for camera wise because you had to draw some other bucks off different properties by having that food plot to have that many on, oh, yeah. on trail camera, you know. So so the draw power that that had, plus you got to hunt off of it too and and maybe had success off of it. But the power of the trail cam pictures, you're, you're hunting a 250-acre piece with a half-acre food plot, which you think is, oh, that's not very big, but it had enough power to draw all them bucks there, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy really how much of about. a difference
4: that can make. Just having a half acre there of just different food that they're not used to, Yeah. it just draws them in. Yeah.
3: You, get any, you get any turkey picks on there or anything? Oh, yeah.
4: All kinds of turkey picks. Turkey's I just mean, blowing it up oh, yeah. the year. They love those that. spots. I mean, yeah. anywhere where there's open in the timber, especially if it's grass. Yeah. Oh. They're, they're all, over. all
3: over eating the bugs sure, and the and oh, grass. Yeah. And,
4: and we also had, like, beans planted and everything. So, obviously, everything was tearing up those beans. Yeah. Know, September, October beans about 4
3: inches
4: tall Yeah. oh yeah I They're mean
3: everything is just tearing them up Yeah. well talking about turkey
2: homie did you get your turkey tags yet? I have not I haven't got mine yet I I mean, it's getting close to spring I mean, so we're looking at February 3rd while we're sitting here bullshitting yeah. and the lottery for the third, third lottery here in Illinois it's February 9th I'm like well we i need to put a fourth lottery in if i can't even get dialed
3: in on third one yeah i know man i thought i'd get my second tag have you got your tags yet wyatt haven't even ordered no
4: them. wyatt's a killer <laughs> he said you haven't even ordered them. <laughs> yeah yeah no, i, I don't really them? care about killing turkeys i mean i'll take anybody out there yeah i
3: just like well, seeing it why I'll I'll why is a i mean absolute knockout turkey hunter and the piece All of right. you have, dude i that time that you told me to come with you on that foggy morning and you killed that bird and you had them close like that if i could have just film that hunt i mean oh, yeah. it was just you couldn't see 40 yards in the fog and and he shot birds right out of the roost flew down flew right into yeah. his decoys and he shot <laughs> them.
4: that gobbler was actually the biggest gobbler i've ever shot
3: and it, i mean he was beard, he just oh, yeah. i didn't
4: weigh him but i oh man he was huge
2: I and it was just foggy, today. dude. I mean, you couldn't see 40 yards. It just blew me away. <laughs> we have we to February 9th get some four-season Knox County sent in. It. So anybody who wants to volunteer to take me out of Knox County. I mean, <laughs> 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 just, I've heard of all these birds. that just seem uneducated. Yeah, I'm ready to get a crack He's got, at them because, got well, program. they're educated yeah. and...
4: I got plenty of birds to go around. I just like taking people out there. I it's like so calling them It's so
2: fun calling them in. That's why yeah. I can tell you. My him.
4: favorite thing is calling them in. Yeah. Just like geese and ducks. Okay. Yeah, that's I, cool. I'll but sit there, I'll you know,
2: fire a gun. Yeah. I can get I, I can live. get them eighty yards. I can get them eighty yards all day. But get them to thirty five. I mean, that's a different story. How far did you shoot that one this year? Like ten yards.
4: Uh, I mean, pretty much every bird I've ever shot is probably within. Anywhere from 5 to 15 yards.
2: Okay. He said, don't need to bring the shotgun, just bring the bow. All honestly, right. yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, going to note it. <laughs> yeah.
4: Honestly, I've always wanted to do that, but I'm like, nah, better bring the gun. Yeah, I mean, every time they're just right there. It's yep. just... Yeah. I mean, every turkey I've shot, I pretty much blow the head off of You know, I mean. That's how <laughs> close they are.
2: Maybe it's, maybe it's just thing about my piece. I don't know. Turkeys are educated down there. They're smart. They're smart, they're yeah, smart down something. there
3: by the Iowa River. <laughs>
2: yeah,
4: one time, I took my brother, Jared.
2: And, uh, did you take him or did he take you?
4: I took him. Oh. Because, I mean, right. he, he never really did any turkey hunting. I knew how to do it. I called him in for him. And uh, these birds actually we hunted them the day before and they're right there at 10 yards I could have shot them but the tree he was sitting along he couldn't have shot them it was just kind of just a bad deal so I said Jared tomorrow's the last day of season we're gonna go out one more time so we did and we set up in a different spot instead of in the timber we set up on the field edge yeah. and there was two birds, the same two birds that we, that I could have shot the day before. I could have shot them both in one shot. I was just in the perfect spot. He just wasn't. I just, it sucked. But, it's just kind of how it goes. And we set up on the field edge. The next day, I'm calling. And all of a sudden, these two toms are just hammering. Just nonstop, you know. Every time I call, them, nonstop. And the biggest thing about turkeys... Is you gotta play hard to get That's pretty much the biggest thing yep. Do not overcall. So as soon as they're hammering off every single time I just kinda quit And then all of a sudden I hear them hammer off again A little closer Hammer off again, a little bit closer And then they're just hammering non-stop They're in the same spot That's when I started doing some cutting Some purring, all kinds of different You know, stuff to actually Kinda coax them in And all of a sudden here they come but the closer like the closest they could get was 40 yards. I was like Jared, you got to take the shot now. Like this is it.
2: I mean is this open field like yeah, open you've field. seen them coming in? Yeah. Yep. How, how far straight were straight they straight when you, how far were they when you first seen them?
4: When I first seen them probably 100 yards.
2: 100 yards and then okay and I so I've seen them they...
4: up you know for a while and I just started giving them some different stuff mm-hmm. some cutting some Burn stuff like that.
3: Talking dirty and to them. You yeah gotta talk dirty. Yeah, oh,
4: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. You know, you got to, if it's not just yelping, which it usually is, you can just you gotta yelp at them. throw something different there. at them
3: because <laughs> you know.
4: But if you're trying to, if you're trying to actually coax them in, you got to throw them some different stuff. Some stuff they usually don't hear, you know, cutting, uh-huh. burn, whatever. That's what I was doing. And I did it and all of a sudden they came about. 40 yards, and Jared could not get a clear shot. And they acted like just real finicky because I think they're the same two birds we actually called in the day before. So they kind of swung out a little bit. They started walking away. I said, Jared, you got to shoot them now. Like, I know it's a far shot, but you got to shoot them. And by this time, they're about 55 yards. Like, not Kenya, 55 yards. And uh, he was using my gun at the time, Winchester Super X3. Mm hmm. I had turkey choke in there, you know, and everything. I said, "Jerry, you gotta take him." And this one turkey was probably fifty-five yards. <sighs> shot him, just nailed him, head shot. I couldn't believe it—fifty-five yards, just yeah. I've heard people shoot there
3: and 60, 70 yards. Yeah, I was like, I sixty-five yeah. yards. I, I mean, that's crazy.
4: People. I mean, but I went up to it, and there was nine pellets in that neck and the head. Yeah, all throughout it. I mean, just stoned it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy you, you're just holy was a nice bird you know i <laughs> had nine inch bird probably 26 27 pounds i mean like yeah a real nice bird real nice bird you know?
3: yeah yeah we get some heavy birds up here with all inch, this corn and
2: beans and yeah, stuff.
4: yeah 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 inch and a half spurs you know beautiful nine bird yeah
2: yeah i'm saying if you got an inch spur and you're 26 pounds i mean that's that's respectable oh, you know, all day
3: all yeah good. i'm one thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna get a european turkey skull <laughs> dude <laughs> i gotta get one of those. Ingram showed me one of those i'm like that's next level stuff i never even thought about yeah, I but it. it's just i, I mean it's it. It, it's super cheap for him to do and it's so small it take up no space i mean just to have that like on a is c-
2: snack for the Beatles. Yeah on, a, <laughs> yeah on a
3: coffee table or something that's just so cool they'd be like people are like what is that be like oh yeah that's a that's a that's a you know a ten and a half inch bearded tom skull <laughs> you know right? you're like what <laughs> you know but i'm 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 gonna get well hopefully if i shoot one this year i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna get one of those but one thing that you do wyatt that i want to wrap up this podcast on the last question that you're pretty passionate about i want to talk about how you trap and you shoot coons and coyotes to benefit your property with if it it's from deer to turkey to and, and some benefits you have seen with that even if it's a rabbits or squirrel or you know kind of go into that a little bit.
4: Yeah coons uh I hunt them a lot but I try to stay out of there after deer season like pretty much all I care about is the rut and then a little bit late season but even though we don't really see the deer late season because there's not much food there I kind of coon hunt about mid-January and our season closes about the 15th well it is the 15th of February Mm -hmm. that's when it closes and that's pretty much when I coon hunt but I love shooting coons just because you know they're the main number one egg eaters yeah I mean and I'm a big waterfowl guy and I hate you know. Yeah, I couldn't imagine could, how
3: many they eat, how many goose yeah. and duck eggs and yeah, turkey eggs they eat in a year. Exactly, and turkeys too. Yeah.
4: Anything that could harm that, I love keeping the population down. So I love coon just because of that. I mean, it's not for the prices of the fur, nothing like that. I just do it, but I still sell the fur. Yeah, I you know, love that. I, you, I don't mean, let it go to waste.
3: yeah, coons aren't worth nothing, but you go to you go to Wyatt's house and he's got. He just went out on a hunt. He's got like twelve coons and he's <laughs> skinning them all out. He's gonna get about three bucks a piece for him, you know. Yeah. But he's doing it because he wants to help the wildlife and he lo- he loves, you know he he loves he loves the geese and and the ducks and that, that's something we could have you on too is just a goose hunting, duck hunting podcast,
4: you yep. know. So and not only that, but the coyotes. I mean, that's a big factor. I think. I yeah. mean, they not only scare deer. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes deer are fine with them. But it's also turkeys, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, turkeys are just terrified of them. Yeah. If a coyote comes around, turkeys will not come to you. And I've noticed that on three or four different hunts. I mean, a coyote comes through. And You're done. And I tell you what, if a coyote comes through, he's, he's dead. I'm shooting him. But I do a lot of coyote trapping. Well, I used to. I do a lot of coyote hunting. Josh does especially my brother. And he's pretty good at it. I and mean, you know, he yeah. he's kinda taught me everything about it. And he's pretty good at it. And I mean that's just a big thing on I mean, it's just a big predator, especially in the springtime, when the fawns are being born and everything. Mm-hmm. Coyotes just
3: Yeah, I just the the coyote population around us we got so many like pig farms and stuff where people yeah. throw carcasses out it's just I mean the trail cameras I get yeah. pictures I get it's just I mean I'm getting many coyotes I am deer picks you know it's just crazy how many coyotes I got yeah so.
4: and coyotes I have, do a number on them fawns
3: yeah they do I've noticed the 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 turkey picks like you're saying I'm getting a lot less turkeys on my lease it seems like every year and i seem like i'm getting more coyotes because i'm right next to a, a hog farm and yep. and I, I really think i should do something with i need to come, i need to have you come out and just trap trap my piece you know hardcore yeah. and uh, really you know i've trapped quite a bit but i like to get with you and learn a lot about it and and uh really knock them out because i think that the turkeys would because the first couple years i had it it was just killer in the spring and and uh last year i I mean there was only two good days out of the whole year that there's turkeys on it and i think the the numbers are just down you know yeah because the turkey population coyotes can
4: do a big number on anything i mean they're just a huge predator in this area and i just like taking care of i mean i can take as many coyotes as i can get yeah i mean no matter when it is, whether it's shotgun season, whether it's bow season, if he's in range, I'm killing
2: him. Yeah, that's for sure.
4: I mean, that's just a big predator that puts a hurt on about everything. What were you going to say,
2: homie? No, I was just... I, was just, I mean, wh- when were you hunting turkeys out there, at your piece?
3: Yeah, a couple years ago during the spring season, I took two guys out there and me. Two guys and me all shot birds off my lease. So uh three birds died on my lease and it was like every it was every time we went out birds were just fired up and uh this year i took one guy out of my lease and we got close but uh i went out there a couple times and and the deer or the turkeys were less sign you know less trail cam picks and then during bow season which i normally always shoot one on my lease no sign of turkeys at all in the fall but uh Uh, Wyatt he hunted the piece kind of adjacent to mine and before they sold it they logged it and I don't know what logging does to a turkey but it seems like after you they logged that piece the turkeys stayed on that side I don't know if there's more more sunlight that was getting and they had more undergrowth you know on that side but it seemed like they're staying on that side of the fence because during the spring they're fired up over there where they logged and cleaned it out but on my side they're not they're not there so.
4: exactly i mean i tell you what the timber i hunt has been logged before and the first couple of years completely sucked for deer and turkeys but after that about five or six years you know that's when it started to become like awesome because when it's logged all them logging trails and everything
3: mm-hmm.
4: all this small growth
3: you know, it comes
4: up, you know, all these little saplings are coming up, and just deer love that. As soon as it's about five years in, it just increases the deer hunting yeah. big time. It's crazy. That's like I awesome. was... You would think logging would just destroy a timber, but it doesn't. I mean... If you do it right... Yeah, exactly. you do it right, you got to do it right. place, then yeah. it's, it's kind of screwed. But, you know, the way they did it, all these saplings came up, and just the deer hunting just... Yeah, it's crazy, like, the piece,
3: my lease is kind of split by two pieces, and the front piece is so much better for deer movement than the back piece, but the front piece has been logged, you know, five, six years ago, and it's just thick with undergrowth and and saplings and stuff, and the back piece hasn't been logged, and it's big oaks, where you think there'd be a lot of acorns, a lot of food, but, like, the buck sign, I mean, it's like a, you can just see it in a line across the property, right where it's logged it's just i mean it's just hammered with buck sign and you get past that and it just fades off i mean yeah they don't like that big open oak timber as much as you would. i mean when i see that oak timber in my mind i just imagine a giant you know running through that oh, yeah. but but it, that's just not how it is it's yeah. crazy so it's i mean and just like matt you know he he's hunting a piece that was just logged you know that year and he shot a big deer off of it i mean it was logged a month before deer season and he shot a big deer off it so if your piece is getting logged you're the owners talking about logging it that's not something to really get upset about it because you can still kill big deer and in a couple years if you still have the piece it's going to benefit you so
2: but be patient figure out the new path
3: hell yeah 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 like i said 90 percent luck just like Wyatt said he he nailed on the head and that i think that is a lot of the normal hunter in this area uh, you know i think a professional professional hunter I, in parentheses you know i did the <laughs> hand in the yeah. studio but um they're running 30 cameras and they can they got 2,000 acres and they can pattern a deer so i think a lot of them isn't luck you know it's a little bit of luck but when they can hone in a deer and i are like okay he's using this 20 acres that's insane to me but for us, it is everyone around us that doesn't hunt a lot of property. It is 90% luck, exactly. Okay. 5% being at the right place at the right time, and 5% skill, you know?
4: But nowadays, I mean, if you were to have a property like that, you got to have some big cash. Yeah. To actually do that and actually run that many trail cams yeah. and pattern that many deer. Yeah
3: man well i appreciate white i appreciate you coming on man i think we we covered about a quarter of the stuff we wanted to cover (laughs) with you in this podcast but uh we'll have you again again on later back later on but uh look forward to a lot of good stuff coming guys um check out Ingram's outdoor obsession facebook page uh Elmwood outdoor shows coming up homie what's the dates on that march 2nd and 3rd march 2nd and 3rd hit us up uh hopefully we have a lot of buddies come out We'll have T-shirts for sale, some stickers. Come by, talk deer hunting. We're going to be at Nowhere. Uh, what's the date on that, homie? It is
2: February 24th and
3: 25th. He's the date guy. He, he's he got the the photogenic memory. So <laughs> we're going to be up there. I'm going to be winning the jerky cook-off. If anybody wants to come try it, we've we done talked to the owner. And uh, I'm not saying that... i'm gonna win but i'm gonna win so just saying but anyway moving on uh why i appreciate you coming in man um yeah thanks for having me we uh we appreciate you guys listening we love you we're gonna cut this thing off and uh remember always have fun that's the main thing about hunting put the time in and have fun
2: plan your hunt and hunt your plan
3: remember always have fun
0: One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.